Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 105. Jeez, there's a bit going on. Lots of comps running at the moment. Uh, Tommy and Cooper are here to join me once again. I want to start, boys, by asking you a question. If you're in a t- your team is in a title race, would you rather be the team like, that plays first or the team that plays second? Do you want points on the board or do you want the game in hand to get points? So I'm saying, mm. you know, on a game weekend where, for example, this week we're going to start in the Bundesliga where Dortmund played Saturday night um, and Bayern Munich played Sunday night. Which would you rather be? This is a this is a huge hypothetical for me because it's very rare that I'm in a title race. So I'm just, I got to think about this more. It would, it, are you like consecutively the first team? I know I'm going a little bit too broad here because I don't think it matters on the weekend itself because you could no. play first. When is it going to put undue pressure on the next team? Well, I don't know, this far out. Um, if you're doing it on the last day of the season, I'd much rather play first if you're given the choice, if it wasn't all at the same time. Interesting. Cooper? Um, when Liverpool were chasing Man City all those years, I enjoyed playing first because you just felt like, you know, if, if Man City played the early kickoff on a Saturday and they dropped points and there was an opportunity to go top, Bournemouth at Anfield all of a sudden becomes this massive pressure field contest. Whereas if you play them first, you just go out there and get the job done like you usually would. Yeah. Um, I think like there's something to be said for fan pressure kind of finding its way onto the pitch. Um, the tension that's in the crowd can find its way onto the pitch and get into the players. Uh, it, I just brought it up because obviously Arsenal and title race at the moment, um, it's something that always gets talked about by Celtic and Rangers fans and the fixturing. Mm. And I think they would like to see more often uh, Celtic and Rangers playing at the same time um, rather than one. I don't know. I Personally, I would rather play first. So uh, play mm. first, get the points on the agree. board. Like I think um, like this week where Man City didn't play in the Premier League because they had an FA Cup game. So Arsenal got the chance to go further ahead. Um, and I think it just it probably puts more pressure on City's game. Do they still have, I guess? I don't know. It Maybe it doesn't, like you said, Tommy, this far out. Who knows? But I just thought it was an interesting place to start. Um, yeah, I like it. It's yeah. like, what would you prefer, expectation or tension? Mm. Just sometimes, I think you mentioned the other day, it was like the when Burnley had like three games in hand last season. Um, but then, you know, they never ended up getting anything out of them and ended up going down anyway. So yeah. uh, points on the board, I think, is what you always want. Um, I'm going to start with the Bundesliga, if you don't mind, because Borussia Dortmund, like I said, played Saturday night. Um, they played Köln. I always get the pronunciation of this one wrong. If we just want to say it in skip language, Cologne. it's Cologne. Cologne in skip language. <laughs> um, just do it, do it properly. Do it to Cologne. your uh, ancestry. Um, but Dortmund had the chance to go top, uh, at least until Bayern played. And they came out fight. They had that rough week where they drew in the derby with Schalke. They got knocked out of the Champions League by Chelsea. Um, but they came out here, scored six goals, um, put themselves on top spot. And I think most importantly, the reason I'm really bringing it up, one of my all-time great favourite footballers, Marco Royce, uh, scored a double and now has 150 Bundesliga goals. And I just think that's an achievement that is really worth mentioning considering this guy's probably, he's missed somewhere in the region of two to 250 games in all competitions um, across his whole career. That is a remarkable feat. And like I described him as like the Rolls Royce of footballers. This guy 
at you know when he's in full flight he's unmatched and he's unstoppable he was like massive in that when Hazard was like the the winger everyone wanted and then Michael Worst was like the opposite kind of and they were dueling for supremacy at that time that was really fun and it would have been great to see him kick on and see what he could have done yeah um incredible footballer when he's been fit he's made himself so versatile and I think what's more impressive is a lot of those goals he's scored have come from him playing He's never really played as a striker. He's played as a 10 mm. and he's false nine a little bit in the later years. Um, and coming Six back in. from injuries, coming back from injuries, he's played more centrally. Uh, this year he's played much more as a 10. But most of that career has been as a left midfielder um, in a side that isn't necessarily winning leagues. Uh, they, ha- they had obviously the double back when Klopp was managing. But aside from that, haven't really been winning a whole lot aside from German Cup. And I just think it's excellent. I love this guy, and I think it's a wonderful career. I just I wish we could have got to see him. He's missed out on that World Cup that they won in twenty fourteen. Yeah. We've all yeah, been robbed. We've all been robbed of some big Marco Royce stuff. I think. Cooper, you got anything to add, or are you just gonna chill back from your friend's show and just yeah, no, nah, he's I see, exhausted. I see Tom's played his fair share of FIFA over the years without the the Rolls Royce dropping there. Yep. Um, subconsciously eked in. Yeah, and nah, he really is that guy for Dortmund supporters, isn't he, though? The the supporters of a team that have seen their stars fade to to almost the dark side in, in Bayern constantly yeah. over the years, and he's the the one outlier that just really, really stuck by them in terms of star players. There's a shot um, iconic for Dortmund fans, uh, despite the result, but it was after a cup final, either the season or two seasons after... Lewandowski went to Bayern Munich and uh, it was the Bayern players standing there giving like the, you know, their line up to clap as they go up to collect their like runners up medals. Mm. And Marco Royce is just giving Lewandowski the biggest death, death stare. And it's just amazing. <laughs> and Dortmund fans just latch onto it. Um, brilliant stuff. It's all loyalty. But Tommy, they do stay top because uh, on Sunday night, uh, Bayern Munich, who you'd fancy to get past this pretty mediocre Leverkusen side weren't able to and went down. Yeah, backed by a raucous crowd was uh, Leverkusen. They really, um, they really decided to get behind the team for this occasion. Um, they would have been spewing to begin with. It went quiet pretty quick. Uh, Kimmich scored after twenty minutes. Mm. Pretty, pretty stock standard goal. Um, got kind of got a kind deflection, fell into his path and stroked it home nicely though. Goretzka involved. Shock. Yeah, what do you know? He um, he played a massive part throughout the game. Uh, later on, yeah, there was a couple of good saves made off of good attacking attempts from him, one header, one one long-range effort. He was involved in everything as usual. Um, but that's not to say that Bayer weren't good for this 2-1 victory that they ended up getting uh, through one of, you know, I've never seen this before in my life. And it's, you know, VAR's a new invention, but this is remarkably maybe the first time VAR does good. Uh, Leverkusen forward Amini Adley was booked twice for diving on two separate occasions, only for both of the decisions to be overruled by VAR and given penalties. <laughs> <laughs> How good. In years gone by, you would think like the Super League Mafia, aided and abetted by these gutless referees, they just get away with this. Not today. Not on this occasion. Um, huge result for the league. Uh, it puts Dortmund back on top by a point. They stay there uh, after only conceding that spot last weekend. So huge turnaround. There was another upset as well. Um, Leipzig, who got themselves back here, probably not in the title race, but up in the mix, up into third. They lost to Bochum, who are really struggling this year. So um, 
not a great week for Leipzig Ooh. after that. They've had a Dortmund week. 7-0 Champions League result, which I think we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. Um, we're starting with some other stuff before we get into the Premier League. You've got El Clasico too because uh, Barca played Real and the title is looking just about wrapped up, you'd say. Done. Lock. Throw it away. 12 points now, I think. 12 points. There's just, and the way the Barcelona are cruising at the moment, it doesn't look like they would drop four games from here in. And that's to, you know, yep. suggest that Real Madrid going to win every game. Out which, of Europa League as well now. Barcelona, yeah, that's so. it. They've got they've got the Arsenal advantage now in that there's really nothing else for them to be concerned with except yep. for sealing this this title. Um, first 10 minutes, man, Barca, uh, Barca, <laughs> Barca masterclass it was. Um, before like the most undeserved goal you'll see all season <laughs> this cruelly deflected Vinicius Jr. cross <laughs> had somehow gone in behind to stay again off the post and in um did you see any of this game no 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 that's why I crossed to you because uh didn't no nah, I don't really watch much La Liga at all it was this was a really good con- uh, good contest I think a few people probably would have tuned into this there's a few um El Clasico fans out there it was just so fast and it was a frenetic game Maybe you only have seen this season. Uh, I can't even think of a Premier League game that has been as fast as this. This was this was on a, a really good technical level. Uh, they had a really scrappy equaliser, Barcelona. Uh, Asensio had one contentiously ruled out. It was very borderline offside. Um, only for your one of your old favourite boys from Milan, uh, Frank Kessie, mm. popped Fr- up. Frank Frank Kessie, Frank Kessie. Yeah. Um, First season at Barca, I think, and um, he's only scored two goals for them in the league, but one of them was this one in an El Clasico. So, um, I'd say he has struggled this, for minutes, hasn't he? He was a he was a massive, uh, massive piece of Milan's title winning side. Um, not always contributing on the goals. Um, if he did, it was from penalties. But just an excellent holding midfielder. Still only twenty six years of age, and I think he's still got an even higher. Higher ceiling still to come, so um, you got a little bit better. The um, yeah. the 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 best moment in this goal though was the uh, Lewandowski backheel. He draws two defenders, backheels it back across the box, which sets up the pass to go into um, Kessie's feet. You should check that one out if you haven't seen it. That's a hell good goal. Yeah, brilliant. All right. I um, I can't just on that, just on Robert Lewandowski. I can't remember if we touched on it or we missed it a couple of weeks ago, but he is at fifteen La Liga goals for the season now, Tommy. So he is, but they're so, drying up and the but, games are running out. Yeah. What do I need? You need twenty. I need twenty. Yeah. So is it nineteen point five? Is it? It is. Yeah. It was. I I contemplated doing this, but then I felt like you'd probably go back and figure it out. Call me a liar on the pod. And I don't need that for my reputation. Okay. Okay. I felt like it might've been 20.5. Okay. If you want to go 21, I, I feel like I, I might've said over 20, over 20. He's not going to get 20 on the dot. I don't think they've dried up. All right. If you say so, um, we'll move into the Champions League because the draw has been done for the next round and we can kind of tie this into some of the results. We already mentioned Leipzig, but um, Man City powered their way through. Uh, Holland scored five. Um, have you ever seen anything as bizarre as this in a in a Champions League knockout match? A seven nil second leg. Uh, not me personally. Not that I can remember. Coops the Coops the database for this kind of thing. He can pluck out obscure random football <laughs> matches from twenty years ago in Europe that had have had larger. I'm sure there's been one. 
Yeah, um, not off the top of my head. Um, I have a feeling, though, it had, to me, this game had some, something quite large written all over it. It felt like when City got the, the one-all draw away from home, they were sort of just plodding along, keep yourself in the tie so we can focus on the Premier League and then we'll just deal with this at the Etihad in a second leg. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I don't know how many of the goals you saw, but Erling Holland just kind of didn't create a whole lot and he just kind of was there on the end of all sorts of deflections and things. I don't know how just it seems to be that if there's gonna it's be madness. a deflection, if the ball is gonna fall somewhere, he will somehow just be there. And it's like there's obviously a lot of luck in that. Like, I'm oh, you're taking it away. No, 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 no I'm not taking it away. You give the credit there because you know, obviously he's very instinctive, and we know that he knows how to get in the right spots. But some of these are literally just it could have gone anywhere, and it's happened to go to him, and he's scored five in a game, and then he comes out it's all well, positioning, tired, Sammy, tired into the FA Cup game on the weekend against Burnley, where he he knocks in a hat trick, and he's now got <laughs> six hat tricks this season for Man City. That's what I mean. You can't say that he's... I mean, you can say on occasions he's fortunate, but overall his output, you can't... You just have to credit. I credit just all of them. Fuck it. This guy's a freak. It's magnets, I'm telling you. He's got some weird... He's not from here. It's ridiculous. I just want to go through the draw for the quarterfinal very quickly, and I'll just get your thoughts. Um, The first lot is Benfica and Inter. Oh. Think of the two teams you would rather, you would least rather watch in the Champions League quarterfinals. Well, I can think of two, but are they coming up? <laughs> They're coming up. Benfica <laughs> and Inter. Thoughts? Inter probably too good. Done, Tommy. We always do this. We write the Portuguese team off. They were. Um... Yeah. I'm gonna. Yeah, let's just back Benfica in for this because, I mean, no, because that ruins the narrative of a Inter Milan final. Uh, quite a semi-final, I mean. Semi-final, yeah. All three mm. Italian teams on the same side of the draw. Um, that would be that, fun. It is worth mentioning as well that three Serie A sides in the final eight, which is uh, that's that's good considering, uh, you know, it's not the league it once was in the, the powerhouse days, but they're still battling on there. Uh, Man City, Bayern Munich. Yeah, tie the round, Coop. Salivating. Yeah, tie the round. Um. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Man City get past them quite comfortably. Comfortably? Reasons? Just think they're too good. I just think they <laughs> are the best team in the world by some distance. And okay. you know, if there's ever been... An some would say eight points. If there's ever been an opportunity for them to, to show it, I think it's now. Okay. I, I know. I agree with you. I think they get past them in much a similar way to what they did against Leipzig. They'll be... One hard-fought game and then one blowout. Mm, I don't know about the blowout, but I think it would be comfortable enough. I don't think they'll be stressing about it. Um, I could see them winning both fixtures. Uh, AC Milan, Napoli, the all-Italian affair. I've I've got Napoli going through fairly comfortably in this one. Depends. Yeah. Do Milan show up, man? They are the Champions League team. Yeah, Milan, are they? Well, they like to think they are, right? I mean, that's mm. where the... That's maybe where the, the, the glory maybe, days stem maybe from. fifteen years ago. Um, yeah, but no, nah, I'm all aboard the Napoli train. Um, first ever Champions League quarterfinal for Napoli, and I think we'll be seeing a first, first ever Champions yeah. League semi final for them as well. Yeah, I think that I'll be booking their spot in the semi final. Napoli over Milan. The first game is in Milan, which um, you know Napoli are good enough to get a result there and then go home ahead. So, yeah, uh, Real Madrid Chelsea is the other one. Hmm. 
Interesting. Chelsea have found some form. Real Madrid. I mean, they're they're the Champions League team, aren't they? So this this should go anyway, right? Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it when we touch on the Premier League later. But can we stop with this Chelsea have found some form narrative? They're going <laughs> to lose. They are going to lose this tie in significant fashion. Wow! Mm. But they they can score goals now. Huge. They can also concede two to Everton. Oh. They were going to concede goals to Madrid anyway. They're going to give up goals too. This is going to be earlier. Maybe... You just said. Man City were the best team on the planet by miles and they're not even winning their league. So I don't know, Cooper. I don't know, man. The Arsenal supporter at the top of the tree starting to get turfy. We're getting I'm not getting turfy. We're getting closer. What am I meant to say? No. No, very the best team in the world by miles. I'm I'm real confident that we're gonna get a Man City Real Madrid final, and I'm pretty confident as well that Napoli have just about booked themselves a ticket to a final as well at this point. Okay, Um, good stuff. Probably worth touching on as well. That I know, I know we spoke about three Italian teams, but one of Benfica, Inter Milan, AC Milan, or Napoli are going to be in a Champions League final this season. And it's probably four teams that we wouldn't have put anywhere near a Champions League final at the start of this season. Yeah, very good. It's fun how the draw opened up like that. It's mm. it's nice to reward the mid tier teams. All right. Where are we at with, uh, we'll move on to FA Cup. Where are we at with this? Were they quarterfinals on the weekend? They were. No one seems to pay much attention at the moment. We've already mentioned Man City beating Burnley. Sheffield beat Blackburn. I'm not sure anyone took a whole lot of notice, but it is good to see a few championship teams lingering lingering around this late. As it is to see a team like Grimsby getting through to the quarters. They got absolutely pumped by Brighton 5-0, which I think was fairly expected. Our boy Evan Ferguson finding a couple of goals. Tommy, our mate. That was in our fantasy team for far too long. Dennis Undav scored in this one as well. Uh, good on him. Did he? Yeah. Good on him. That Cooper. means he's, he's been played into form now. No, oh, well, we've got rid of him. Coop, Bring him back. Cooper's mate Matoma got on the score sheet as well. But I think the one we all want to talk about is the game at Old Trafford, the 3-1 to United, the, the three red cards all in one go here. Uh, Mitrovic absolutely losing the plot with the referee. I don't know where you want to start with this. Um, the, if I can, sorry, Tommy, if I can no, jump in real quick. I don't know if you saw my message in the group chat on the weekend. I found myself bored in bed watching Sheffield United versus Blackburn. Here we go. On <laughs> Sunday night. Because the thing we get absolutely this, we nothing else to watch. And it was one of the most entertaining 90 minutes of football that I've watched in the last 12 months. It was a cracking game. Um, Blackburn really showed up, real even tie. Um, we were one all at the half and then Blackburn sort of faded out of the game and um, Sheffield spurned like three or four real good chances, a couple of one-on-ones for McAtee, couldn't put them away. And then Blackburn got a goal on the break, which led to the grandstand finish where Ollie McBurney um, turned two players in the box and we saw the worst piece of commentary ever, uh, seeing him called Ollie McTurney. Um, oh, I rate it! The defense on the turn and and finished with his weak foot across the keeper, which allowed for um Young. I think it's Tommy Doyle scored an absolute screamer in stoppage time on loan mm. from Man City to put them through, and it was proper scenes at Bramall Lane. Well, I love that. Well, I think oh, that's right. Cooper's just put his hand up to be a championship. Um, what do you call it? the championship ambassador for the pod? <laughs> he can um, you can go and watch twelve games a week. Of that division, if you like, uh, Please, to, championship. You. The, the correspondent. Maybe we should just correspondent is what I was looking for before, <laughs> and I, I couldn't think up. of it, so I went with ambassador. 
maybe I'll you know what I'll finish the I'll finish the season off for the championship, but then when Leeds are playing in it next year, I'll leave it to Tommy. <laughs> oh, there it is. I was waiting for it. Imagine being this. Li- oh, I'm not going to say it. Just <laughs> yeah, anyway, what have we got? Anything. Let's talk about this Mitrovic nonsense. Um, bloke lost oh, the yeah. plot, didn't he? On um. I don't know. I've got a few thoughts either way on these things, but let's see what you guys have got first. The, the Fulham blow up game or anything. The Fulham blow up is surely like an intricate marketing exercise by the FA Cup to get us all to pay attention. Because otherwise, I would have just watched the Prem this uh, this weekend and not worried mm. about what happened. Because I didn't see any of the other three games. Um, but this, um, what Mitro's done, like, is it more reflective of like a wider culture of abuse of referees now that it's yes. Yeah, this is kind of spilled over, right? There was a couple of incidents this weekend. The Leeds and Wolves game as well, touchline. A couple of guys on the touchline getting sent off. Yeah, we're we're treading into dangerous territory here because he looked proper mad, Mitra. I think that's that's where the differences lie. It was really aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, if you watch the, watch the clip, there's a good clip of it from the crowd where you can see that I can't... Sorry, I should know who the referee was, but I don't is it know who could have been Madley, yeah. He's five to ten meters inside one half, and Mitrovic comes to his face, and he ends up nearly fifteen meters into the other half because he is just walking backwards at pace, and and Mitro's really at him, and it, it hasn't really been spoke about, but I just I'm just at a point of wondering what the actual fuck he was complaining about mm. because it was the most blatant, deliberate handball red card penalty situation I've seen in a long time. And for some reason, Fulham were just so fired up about it. And, yep. you know, they were 1-0 up at this point and, and Bruno scores a goal and they've now probably put themselves in a situation where it's just completely boiled over and you've gone from, all right, we're still at one all down to 10 in a Champions League tie to we're now one all at Old Trafford in a Champions League, sorry, Champions League, FA Cup quarterfinal with nine men and no coach. <laughs> and then they concede again, like 60 seconds later. Completely lost the plot. Um, I, yeah, I think was he. It looked like he was pointing towards the other end for the potentially the penalty shout that Fulham had earlier in the game. Yeah, wasn't referred to VAR. I mean, everything's checked by VAR, but unless the ref goes over to the little screen, people just assume it wasn't referred yep. to VAR, which is so stupid. I mean, it's just that's this is one of the most blatant handballs we've seen all season. This is what handball is. Mm. Um, the the way. Some teams just do this. Uh, it always fucked me off with Barca for years, the way they all just mob the referee in such numbers. I hate mm. it when Arsenal do it sometimes. I hate it. Um, lo- lo- lots of teams do it. Um, and I think you tend to see the bigger teams get away with it a lot more too. Um, you know, I saw people making the comparison. Oh, Cooper sent it in the group chat before. Um, the Bruno Fernandes one where he kind of shoved the linesman a little in the back and I'd be all right with that being a red too. It's not as aggressive as Mitrovic's. I'm not saying that it is, um, but I just don't think there's any need for anyone to touch the referee in a manner like that. Like it's yeah. just, unless you're shaking hands or it's, you know, you're about, to bump, in, you're about <laughs> to bump into him. So you're like, you know, you know, you, you just put your hands up. Your hand kind of goes up and you kind of like, yeah, just to guide, you know, like you do when you're walking in a crowded place or something. But yeah, I just, I don't know, just, Cut it out. The Cavani, um, Edinson Cavani, I remember watching him in a Copa America get up and full uh, shirt front referee with his chest. 
and then stand there leaning over him and he didn't nothing happened he wasn't sent off there was no suspension i just cracked down on it sorted it out yeah agree i think the the worst part about the comparison between the two incidents is that there's opportunity for comparison just set the precedent and stamp it out completely if you unnecessarily lay hands on a referee you won't be seeing the end of the game um, yeah. I just don't understand where these players think that they're not making themselves look like the biggest fuckwits in the universe. <laughs> um, there was an incident in the same game where Anthony did one of his little flip flaps right along the touchline and there was a defender present, but he's flip flapped the ball straight over the sideline for the most blatant Fulham throw in. And in his head, he can't, he is so good that he can't have made this error. The linesman must have got it wrong. And he stands there for 10 to 15 seconds, just berating the linesman before he runs away. And I just wonder, do these guys go back and go on Twitter after a game and see a video where they've clearly got it wrong. And then they've stood there like a fucking 10 year old screaming at a referee. Well, this is what I've always wondered about players that dive and the way they roll on the ground pretending they're hurt. And it's like, are you, do you have any dignity at all? Like, are you comfortable with the whole world? No, like, because there's cameras everywhere. Everyone knows, like, just, oh my God. Anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole here, but I think, I think you most... find a lot of, a lot of people on social media, maybe not with the diving stuff, but in these contentious decisions, it gets tribal straight away. And there's a lot of people blind to being able to see a decision against their side and see it as four. I mean, we're all guilty of it. It happens. But there's some, but there's a large contingent of people that will just go ham and say there's conspiracies about there's, you know, uh, uh, there's a fucking uh, like agenda out against your team specifically. Yeah. And that, that, when you say you go on social media afterwards, I reckon a player is only seeing that stuff that supports them because of their algorithm, obviously. Yeah. And so that's, I think social media is a bit to play as well. Cool. This is four corners. <laughs> we'll move into Premier League action over the weekend. Um, starting with Newcastle beat Forest, a much needed point. I don't know if either of you wanted to mention anything about this game. I know there was the offside call, but meh. Meh. Yeah, we'll move Whatever. on. Much needed points for Spurs, but uh, Spurs for Newcastle. Um, they're two points behind Spurs, but have two games on them. Liverpool sneaking up right behind them as well. Uh, Villa, another big win. Bournemouth in a lot of trouble now. 3-0. That last-minute goal against Arsenal after being 2-0 up has probably kicked them in the teeth quite a bit, and they're struggling to bounce back. Uh, Brentford and Leicester, 1-1. We don't have anything on this one either, do we? They're a down dog. No, I was just going to say, Villa quick. They're, since Unai oh, Emery... Yeah, since Emery joined Villa, uh, they have been... They would be third overall in terms of results. Very good. He he's doing a crazy good job with them. He's a good coach. Emery is a good coach. So for all that he got a lot of stick at Arsenal for whatever, but um, you know, not undeserving. Yeah. But I think mm. overall he is a good coach. This is probably his level, mid-table Premier League, I'd say. Um, Brentford Leicester, nothing for this one. One one. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. Again, yeah, it's yeah. another game that existed. Another game that existed. We can't talk about this one though. Southampton three, Spurs three, uh capitulation. By Spurs again after a disastrous week last week, um, going out of the Champions League in such a pathetic style, and they they were a bit pathetic again in this one towards the end, and Antonio Conte had a bit to say. Surely there are less public ways to leave a job you don't like. Just a little, maybe a little bit of dignity about yourself here, Conte. He's blamed literally oh. everybody but himself for what has gone wrong out yeah. there. Yeah. This is very Conte, but also he said a lot of stuff that was right. Yeah. 
That's you know, the counter argument. Yeah, he wasn't wrong a lot, was he? Talking about players being toothless and just playing for themselves and having no heart. I, I'd put Harry Kane in that category as well. I think mm. uh, people thought I was a bit biased last week, I think, with some of my comments on Harry Kane, but I'll stand by it. I think he is a selfish player. There was a moment in this game um, where Spurs were on a 4v3 counterattack with a man ahead. He took it himself and had a shot from outside the box that went over the bar. Um, I don't know if he's what are they doing at training if you can't work out a 4v3 at that level? Um, but whatever. Um, Some good wingers outside of him. Would you Would you consider us a team, Sam? Or are we just like three selfish players who don't want to help each other? Uh, we're a team now that Cooper's not rav- uh, rummaging around gluttony at midnight, <laughs> Wednesday to Sunday or whatever it was his show was on. Uh, Cooper, any thoughts on this Conte rant or Spurs Southampton in general? Nah, not not overly on the Conte rant. I think we all know he's. I think we all know he's capable of it by this point. Um, this one was quite extraordinary, though. It, it was. Um, I think you know they should be beating Southampton in the situation they are in, regardless. But I think yep. they were a bit unfortunate with the penalty in this game. I, I know it's one no, of those. It ones did to, look iffy. The, to the letter yeah, of the law, okay. it's, you know, but I, I really hate these. This striker is jumping across a defender. Both of them are on the top of the 18-yard box with their back to goal. Yeah. One's trying to make a clearance. The striker, he's really, you know, we talk about, like, with defenders, when you go yellow, red card, has the defender played the ball? Is the attacker playing the ball in this scenario? Mm-hmm. Or is he just throwing himself into a space where he knows the defender's going to be trying to play the ball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hard agree. You have to, you do have to factor in whether the striker is going to do anything with it because otherwise it's just footballing incident. Well, that's what, and that's what it is. And it's not, to me, the attacker in this situation is not making a footballing play. It's not a footballing mm. motion. What if the Spurs defender pulls out of that challenge and doesn't swing his leg? The Southampton player is going to look like a fucking dickhead. Because he is going to achieve absolutely nothing by doing what he's done. Which is usually how the Saints defenders operate. But in this instance, I agree with you, man. Mm. Um, I'm wondering how big a point that would be for Southampton. Probably, you know, that still leaves them dead bottom. But, you know, it's not a no, loss, I guess. It's down. one point. But I th- I think that we've it's gone over. It's a big point in the context. Dead, but yeah. yeah, in the context it's... of it being against Spurs and being 3-1 down, you know, it's mm. fourth v bottom. It's a big point, but not good enough for them at this stage moving forward. So um, the next game I have here is Wolves v Leeds. I'll tell you what, I woke up, I got up Sunday morning, check check my phone. Barely. The night shift football group chat has some 50-odd messages. I thought, oh, Leeds must have played. Leeds must have played. Opened it up, 57 messages all from you, Tommy. Uh, ranting and raving about anything and everything. There was a lot of uh, conspiracy stuff in there as well. Uh, the league's trying to fuck you. I don't know why the league would prefer Wolves over Leeds. That's that's where your argument maybe falls away a bit. But can you run us through any of this game or any anything? That's, that's a really good question because that's what Wolves are asking in the wake <laughs> of this fixture is <laughs> why is the Premier League against us? Why is the Premier League against Leeds? Maybe we should just all come to the realisation that the Premier League doesn't care about any of us. No. <laughs> you just We need to get more consistent application of the of the laws of the game, I think, is what we're after here. There was, there was a lot of aspects to this. Uh, there was more sideline red cards like we alluded to. Yep. Uh, 
what's his name? Uh, Lopa Lopetegi. Yep. The Wolves manager. Look, he seems fine to me. Wolves look like an okay team. They just don't have players who can score goals. Yeah. But the way he went on and on on the sidelines for a couple of decisions, like really normal yeah. decisions to be made. One was a penalty shout against Furpo on Samato, which it wasn't a foul. Like it's just not. The other one was a Johnny red card on Luke Ayling, which legitimately could have broken his leg. It was one of those two feet over the ball while the player's got his standing foot out. Yeah. After Ayling's played the ball, which just, it was nuts. It was so late. And they've absolutely lost it. Yeah. They shit the bed hard in this one. What a weird game. Six goals, a lot of nonsense happening, some terrible refereeing, some disgracefully bad commentary going on as well. I'll give you oh, that. That was you, pretty anti-league. You cop that. Jesus Christ, man. Mm. He would have mentioned at least a dozen times how hard done by Wolves have been in this game and previously. Because I guess there is a little bit going on now where that Wolves have been apologised to a couple of times this season. Yeah. And so maybe that does add to this, but nuts. I didn't, I didn't Massive see a whole lot wrong here. Um, the only thing I really wanted to mention in this one was I can't remember which Wolves goal it is, but Melier comes out the box to head the ball clear. The first one. The Johnny Otto goal. Yeah, the first and one. Melier comes out the box to head it clear, which I think he did a great job of and he made the right choice. And then... Okay. I thought he could have just let it roll into the box. No, for sure. <laughs> oh, he, the defender, the striker was coming though, and he did head it to a teammate. He um, did. I don't know who it is, but this, center, this guy should not be playing in this league or playing <laughs> professional football. Was it Mark Rocker? Should not be he's, playing if you're going to dish up this because he's headed it out straight to him. He's in center midfield. He knows his keeper's out of his box because he's just headed it to him. And he's just, without looking, has just dinked it sideways. 15 yards, 15, 20 yards, straight to a Wolves player, goal. What's what's going on there? It was what a hell of a goal. Really nice finish. Yeah, like, he's still going to hit them well from that distance. And then everyone's, yeah. looking at, everyone's looking at Melier like, what? And he's looking up like the field. Like, you're an idiot. The, he's looking up the field at the midfielder going, what? Are you serious? You didn't even look. I, can, just... I, I can't fathom it. That's, he's got Bayern Munich credentials. Rocker? Yeah, he's played Champions League. That's grim. There's that hope grim. for us all yet. There is yeah, no I, I can't. I can't explain it. I can't explain. Anyway, it. I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was hilariously bad. Like that, just, that really sums up your season in one shot. I think that goal. I've just sat there for the last five minutes, just drinking that all in. I just, I love how much when Leeds are on the right side of this, that the Premier League don't care about these games, and that that maybe we just need some consistency in officiating. But if if the shoe was on the other foot here, it would be the world's biggest fucking conspiracy, and I love it. It's because there's two teams that suck. That's why they don't care. They give us the shit refs. You thought I was getting lippy. Listen to this scouser over here. Just <laughs> absolutely we did off get... leads every chance he gets. Well, that's fair. I mean, he is he is a fan of dogs after all. <laughs> Jesus. All right. <laughs> Fucking hell. There's, um, there's nothing better this season than a non-Liverpool match week when you get to get to come on the podcast and just not discuss that shambolic <laughs> red side of, of Liverpool at the moment. Yeah, we'll get a chance next week because hopefully, hopefully Liverpool will do Arsenal favour against Man City next week. But a um, couple of games left to get through: Chelsea v Everton, two all. Uh, my mate Dudrick Mudrick, not even coming off the bench anymore these days. Um, what's going on there, no Chelsea fans? But uh, Enzo is starting to look 
great already, isn't he? Um, Tommy, you mentioned that Chelsea found a little bit of form and Cooper was irate about that. I don't know who I want to throw to first for this, but yeah. I'll just throw to Cooper. Um, well, you're irate about it. You don't think it, they're in form. Friday, last week, I, I made a few comments about Chelsea that they Here we go. They caught Dortmund in what you described as a very Dortmund week and that outside of that, they'd won two games in a row against relegation candidates in the Premier League and mm. and that their next two coming up were also against relegation candidates. And if they managed to avoid dropping points in those next two games, that I might jump off their back a little bit. But I got a bit of shit at the old RGK on Friday night from a few Chelsea supporters who were convinced I was wrong and that it was disrespectful for me to call them a billion-dollar bowl of alphabet soup. Um, <laughs> I thought that's what I mean. I, do, I agree with that call. I mean, yeah. you know, to all, can't can't hold a fucking lead against relegation stiff Everton at Stanford Bridge. I don't want to be told that this team is in form. I don't want to be told that this team is good anymore. And I can't wait to watch them get dismantled in the Champions League. Oh, wow. Oh. That is Venom tonight. Can I ask you, if a horse had won three in a row, is it not in form? Jeez. Are we talking about different is that, things? Is that a very, that's a very different context. No, it? is it? Well, I don't know. A horse beats probably nine or ten other horses. Not <laughs> Chelsea won three games. Chelsea won three games, and one of them was turning around a one-goal deficit against the side that's currently leading the Bundesliga. So, you know. I thought they did enough to win this game. You I know, they've it, been done in by Dyche again. They've been dashed. They've been dashed. They, they won't mean, be the first. They won't be the first to be dashed. No. And they've been done in by the new best throw in the Premier League. It's Ellis Sims. That is so tight and compact, the finish. And and the bowl on top of his head. Can't wait to see this guy score more goals. Ellis Sims, tidy finish. Was good. It was a good finish. Um, maybe that's the only thing you can give credence to Cooper is they they have lost their mental there at the end to give up that chance because they they were pretty much in cruise control. Like they should have definitely seen it out of two one, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they've fallen away. It looks like they're making progress. Uh, Jao Felix, if he scores in every game, they're going to do well, aren't they? They're just to me to to jump back on your racing references there, Sam. <laughs> Got I, they they might have won. Sinker. It, it's to, to me. It's he's off the bri- He's off the bridle, Sammy. I am. It's one of those. You know, a horse has won three in a row. You chuck a tenner on it, but if it loses, you won't be surprised. And if it goes up in class, you think it's going to get walloped. So, okay, I'll let you have it. Um, they do sit tenth now. Um, they're on the same amount of points as an Aston Villa side, who we've been slating for a lot of the year too. Um. And they've like they're kind of they're at that point, uh, you know. There's a clear gap between relegation battle and everyone else, and that relegation gap sits between Villa and Palace, with Palace on 27 points, Villa on Villa on 38, Chelsea also on 38. So they're you know, it's it's shit house. Oh, it's <laughs> so much money. I know we've done this every week, but I'm not really getting tired of it because they deserve it. If they're going to spend this much money, buy all these players and just dish up, dish up absolute crap. And when they come back from the dreaded international break, we'll get to see a fresh Chelsea side go one-on-one with said Aston Villa team. So you'll probably get a very good chance to see where their benchmark is in the Premier League right now. Mm, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's put a pin in that. Uh, last game of the round, um, Arsenal Palace, 4-1. Uh, pretty 
business as usual for Arsenal in this one. None of those scares like they had against Bournemouth. I think it's worth more of a, a Crystal Palace conversation because every week we've been talking about them maybe sinking lower. Tommy called it a few weeks ago that they were they were in relegation strife despite being 12th. Um, and every week that goes by, they look more and more like a relegation side. And then we're now hearing that Roy is going to take over. <laughs> oh, they're down. That's it. Why I had this, I wrote some notes today at about Villa and when it, it broke through Adla- when we were at Adelaide United, uh, you should definitely listen to the Red Edition as well, guys. Vieira sacked and I could not fucking believe it. Because mm. why would you do it at this point of the season when you possibly have a manager with maybe not better credentials, but to me a better focus and uh, like style of play than a lot of the managers below. Yeah, and I that, I just felt like they were going to turn it around. They had a tough run of games. They hadn't you know got shots on target and stuff like that. But they they would have been way better off persisting, unless of course they were going to bring back Roy Hodgson. In which case I I'm all in. And then it broke, and I was like, oh, this is great. Villa uh, v- uh, Palace are down. They're fucking down. It's just, to me, it's one of those things with Vieira. Um, I don't know if you could, Sammy, I assume you watched this Arsenal game. I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, Palace supporters in the away end chanting Patrick Vieira's name and and so on and so forth. Um, but to be in the position they are on the table and you look at the 11 they put out to play Arsenal on the weekend, yeah. to have a little bit of a gap still. It's not much, but a little bit of a gap with this lineup from them to the relegation zone. What more do you really expect? Like they're not, we talk every week about that group of teams from eighth to 12th that we don't cover because they're not in danger and they're not going up, but this palace squad doesn't, doesn't fit in that category. It's not, it's not a good squad. Yeah. Like we're talking a, a midfield five of, three guys that can do stepovers and run fast and you know Luka Milivojevic who is was a great player six or seven years ago and is somehow still trotting around starting games with the armband on Odson Edward who I know you love and was fantastic for Celtic for time but I I still we're still waiting for it to really translate to a proper run I think he's above where he um, should be at the moment in the Premier League and then Joel Ward, Tyrek Mitchell, James Tompkins, and Mark Way at the back with Joe Whitworth in goal. Just, mm. just as what, a kid keeper. It's gross. What, it's what a relegation side. Want? Yeah. What more do you want from Patrick Vieira in this situation? And what is Roy Hodgson going to achieve that Patrick yeah. Vieira wasn't? That's it. Yeah. That's well, my next, my next question was gonna, I was gonna ask, um, you know, do we think Vieira was right to have been sacked, or should they have kept him? Um. Because Tommy, you mentioned why do it at this moment. I wasn't sure if you meant why do it at all. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah, hang on you, to him now. You would you have kept <clears> him <throat> beyond the season though? Yeah, in the championship too. Yeah, definitely. Because I think <clears throat> you can see the uh, what Michael Carrick's doing down there at the moment. What Vincent Company's doing. I think the championship would be in a great environment with Crystal Palace if they did go down with Patrick Vieira. Like it just yeah. made total sense to stay with him beyond. We've seen it happen before. Didn't Eddie Howe do it when he went down? And yeah, if you you can get Rafa Benitez, you can get I guys think, that stay on. I think they also started strong. Like they didn't start strong in terms of points, but they they weren't really losing game. They were grinding out lots of draws, but they were draws. they were playing some decent ish, decent ish football. Yeah, and for, patches, yeah, we have to put everything back into the context of the squad they have, and I just think it's a ridiculous expectation to be sacking a guy who has you in 12th with this 
with this squad. Yeah. I'm pretty much just rehashing what Cooper just they, said. But what, you know. what they had to do was sell Zaha two seasons ago when someone wanted to pay fifty million for him, and yeah. then you could have went out and bolstered. Yeah, it hasn't worked now because he doesn't show up is, anymore. The trouble is as well, like Zaha, if he does show up, he's only one player. And, yeah, you know, that's what they've had they about. sold him, they probably could have gotten two or three really good players in. When I say really good, I mean really good for their, like, you know, for in terms of their well, What they're doing. Like what, what Brighton have what done. What they're doing for what Brighton have done. Fulham, yeah. you know, teams like that. Uh, Brentford even. But yeah. they haven't. They just, they clung on to Wilfred. Um, I know because he was too important to them, but it's probably cost them in the long run. Has. Yeah, you look at to me, you look at Zaha and, and Eze and Elise in this team, and they're X Factor players in a team that just needs to be solid. And you look at all of the the good, exciting X Factor players around the Premier League, the reason that they succeed and the reason that is fine for them to be these guys that aren't brilliant for 90 minutes but can turn the game in a moment is because they have seven or eight guys around them who are so strong for 90 minutes and Zahar and Eze and Elise they don't they don't have that at Palace there's no no structure around them they're not an environment where they can thrive and for some reason Palace seem to just want to hold on to these guys and try and be this cool exciting branded team rather than just just sit where they are and what really frustrates me is knowing that Roy is going to come in and, you know, we talk about them being so out of form, but there's there's eight teams that can go down now in the Premier League. There's an 11-point gap above Palace. There's, eight, to me, eight teams between 12th and 20 that can go down. They are still, they should, you know, theoretically, football aside, be the favourite to, to survive this situation. And if Hodgson keeps them up in the Premier League, he's going to have all this rap. Roy's done it again. Roy's kept up a relegation candidate. But who says Patrick Vieira doesn't keep them up? Patrick Vieira yeah. is the guy that has them five spots away from relegation. Yeah. No, exactly. There's a good stat because they were talking about it with Leeds, obviously changing managers, that um, more often than not, uh, a manager that comes in during this period will only keep a side in the exact same position they were when they took over. And I guess that's the idea. If you sack a manager, bring one in to keep you up, you just want to stay where you are. You anticipate you're outside the relegation zone. But in this situation, they could well slip down as other teams who have made moves earlier. Um, you know, Everton, for example, you could see them definitely leapfrogging Palace. Will Leicester do it? I don't know. Leeds, Wolves, maybe. I mean, it's all up for grabs, isn't it? It's, yeah, and it's the, I, I rate Sean Dyche as a manager. I rate him a lot higher than I rate Roy Hodgson. But They'll it's, finish it's, 12th now, it's, hey, it's Everton. The, it's the same thing with, with Dyche coming into Everton is that he still has, he should be keeping this team up. It's not... Yeah. Dyche has come in and worked his magic again. It's they have a better squad than the seven other teams in that group with them. Sean Dyche, as a Premier League experienced manager, should be keeping them up. And it just, you know, it frustrates me. But how often do we see, we spoke spoke about it when Dyche came in and Everton beat Arsenal, that new manager effect. They come in and, and they win this game that they shouldn't win in their first game. And then we stop talking about them. How often do those teams still then struggle? How often do they go down as well? How successful is bringing a new manager into the fold with 10 games to go. Yeah. This has got big Sam button written all over it. Uh, Alan Shearer, same thing. You know, you bring in a club legend of sorts to do the business and it just, it doesn't work out. Good stuff. Like it a lot. Um, 
we might wrap it there. I think that's plenty for this week. I didn't shout out the fantasy leader this week. Um, Izzy, Izzy Mount is back on top of the He's back. top. Uh, Todd's Flogs, you've dropped down to second. Unlucky. Um, but you'll Ooh. bounce back. I'm sure of it. Maybe. Week, week. Maybe. Where do we sit? We are currently 30th. Doesn't matter. We're up doesn't two matter. spots in our own league. <clears throat> say it doesn't matter, but I'm... Uh, if we ever do this again, I don't want to host it. <laughs> Mathematically, how high can can we finish? Do you think can we get a top twenty? I don't know. We should use our wild card. It's on. I'm, we'll I'm see sitting, how we go. I'm sitting inside the twenty, and I'm hoping to stay there. All right, I'll I'll represent the top twenty. And so one one Thank point you. between first and second at the moment. So Ooh. the battle is on for the inaugural night shift fantasy trophy. Uh, we'll leave it there. We've got Adelaide United red uh well night shift football red edition. We'll talk about Adelaide's party mode win against Wellington, five goals at home on a Friday night under lights. The best. We'll get to talk about that. Um, Have a good week, folks. See you later.